0: Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Thank you for joining Building an Empire State of Mind. Today, I have on a friend of mine, as well as a fellow investor. Her name is Sari Ringma. So she was born and raised in Souk, British Columbia, and has deep roots and ties to the community. She is a realtor, property manager, and real estate investor. Her favorite pastime is playing matchmaker between properties and people. She welcomes the challenge of renovating, staging, suiting properties, subdividing land, and even planning land developments. These skills and passions have made her an exceptional asset to any team. She is not your average realtor. Let's welcome Sari. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Good, good. How are you? Good. So today we're going to be chatting a little bit about the mindset that she has gone through Throughout her life. So how about you tell us a little bit about how it all started and how you mentioned that your immigrant parents really taught you how to dream? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm Finnish. My, both my parents were born in Finland and uh, they immigrated here um, early 70s, late uh, 60s. Don't have that date down pack for some reason. Um, they came here with one suitcase. They heard that it was a better life and... Um, they came here before their postcard actually arrived to their friend's doorstep so they knocked on the door to their friend's house saying hey we're here to like thank you so much for offering a place to stay (laughs) and uh their postcard arrived about a month later um they didn't know any english Uh, they knew the word beer Um, other than that they had not uh, got up to speed on any english words they um they were here for a hope and a dream and that's pretty special. Um, they actually went to the uplands in a sort of a prestigious area of town in Victoria and they just started knocking on doors and offering if uh, they wanted a free uh, lawn mow. And that's what my dad did. He went from place to place to place just offering. And then uh, if they wanted them back the second or third time, he just sort of asked if they wouldn't mind paying. And um, that's how he started his business. And then my mom eventually started cleaning houses for them. They started going to night school. My dad became a plumber, electrician, gas fitter, and a sprinkler fitter. And they eventually learned English and, uh, yeah, it's pretty inspiring when you start thinking of like all the steps they took in uh, their twenties and thirties.
0: Absolutely. So was it just sort of their actions that you saw as a child that sort of instilled that dreaming or were there actual conversations and stuff happening in the house?
1: I don't know if you ever met a Finn, but um, they actually don't, don't have too many conversations. They're pretty, um, <laughs> you actually have to really read between the lines. Uh, they sort of <laughs> say a statement and then you're sort of wondering all these questions, but you don't even bother asking. You're like, okay, I get it. <laughs> um, so really it was just their story. Um, they, they sort of said that once or twice about how it all happened, um, sort of dragging out different information pieces for me to ask them. And it's just, it's pretty brave. Um, The way I see it, they always thought that they could always, worst case scenario, they can move back home and they always have their family back there, Um, but they wanted to see if they can find more. Um, So eventually my dad um, made enough money that he wanted to buy a house. They bought a house and they told us the first night they stayed there, it rained. And so they had a bucket in between their bed of um, just capturing the water rather than seeping right into their bed. So it was that kind of house. Uh, And from there they had... $35,000 $35,000 that they had built up, and um, they had bought 40 acres out in Souk, where 1982, where nobody really was heading out to, and um, they had the vision to buy this lot plot of land, it was all mountainous, a river going through it, and um, that's what they put their nest egg, and we lived in a trailer on that for a couple years
0: that's pretty full circle. So for people who don't know, um, a lot of series projects are located in Souk because it is now a booming place for development as well as people relocating to. Absolutely. So how do you think that growing up like that impacted the decisions that you made in your life to like dare to dream?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I really don't see obstacles. Um, it's kind of a weird kind of mindset in my, like that i sort of noticed is different than some people as I, I isn't, there's no nose and I'm sorry if you've ever said no to me because I really don't see it. I don't hear you. <laughs> um, it's like, well, well why didn't
0: is- ask a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe,
1: maybe I didn't ask my question right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, to me, I feel like, oh, well, maybe I didn't proposition that the right way. And maybe there's a different way to look at it. Um, for me, the, the hardship and the stuff they had, it actually wasn't, it didn't look like hardship. And it didn't feel like hardship when we were growing up and we didn't have a house. We just had that trailer in the middle of nowhere. Um, to me, it's an adventure. And so like every kind of decision we've made, even through my adult life, you know, being in my 40s, it's sort of like, well, the worst case scenario. If I'm in my trailer down by the river, I'm actually like the most at peace I've ever been in my whole life, (laughs) Um, which is a weird way to look at things. But that's just sort of saying like the worst case scenario, I have nothing and then I can regroup and build it all back up again.
0: Yeah, I have heard that from you time and time again. Well, what's the worst case if this goes badly? So yeah, you definitely live by that. Um so jumping forward a little bit to how your divorce and a regroup sort of accidentally got you into the real estate world.
1: Totally. It was um so I was married for quite a few years. I think we were together for like 15 years and um his job actually brought us all across Canada. So, you know, back in 1999, We didn't have anything. We just rented basement suites. And so we rented basement suites in like uh, Victoria, Kelowna, Vancouver, moved to Winnipeg. Finally, in Winnipeg, there was like a little sweet spot where we're like, okay, $129,000, we could buy a house. Um, So we did. And that was our first house that we ever bought. And we had started having our kids. So it's kind of cool. Um, After five years, we actually moved to Vancouver again. We bought a condo, sold the 129 dollars sold it for 200 dollars got the condo. The condo then was tiny for the four of us. We eventually decided that it's better to move back to soup And I actually um, had asked my dad if I could buy part of that 40 acres. So I bought 10 acres off of them. And the land value at that time was 200,000. So we just straight across made that deal. And at that point, we're sort of massaging the land, figuring out, I watched my dad do it. So um, it sort of came natural. Like we took this 10 acres, we built a house for us and then we started building rental houses. Um, Unfortunately, you know, things changed and um, we had to part ways. And so trying to figure out what the next step was, I basically contacted my mortgage broker and I said, well, you know, how would this look like when you go through a divorce, like what kind like when I sell the the 10 acres off, how would this look? How do I close my mortgage? blah 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 because I was really new to the space and I actually didn't really talk banking much. And um, she goes, she actually was a mortgage broker for my dad. So she's like, what? You're gonna sell your family property? What are you talking about? So I explained the situation. And she goes, no, no, no. like have you heard of second mortgages? I was like, what? What are you talking about? She goes, no, like you have enough equity that you can take a second mortgage and you can pay that off to, um, your other half. Cause I understand that he probably doesn't want to stick around on your parents' property. Um, (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) Um, so then it it was just that magic conversation. Like I never would have thought of it. It never would have come to my mind that that was a possibility. I was like so bummed that I would have to just say goodbye to that chapter. Um, and this, this conversation, I've never actually called her to thank her, but this actually stepped um, this kind of a little bit of understanding, like, Hey, wait a second, there's something to this. Um, So that, at that point, it was my first step of doing something accidentally where I had kept two houses being able to remortgage and um, kept it for myself. And so for
0: me and my kids, uh, we were there on the 10 acres with two houses. Yeah. That's huge. One conversation, right? changed the entire trajectory of your life. Instead of, you know, starting from scratch, you got to keep exactly what you built and then keep using that as leverage for the future too, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It yeah. Was, um,
0: yeah, it was a meaningful
1: conversation. I probably should go look her up.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so for after that, so what sort of happened in your journey on purpose instead of on accident? How did you take that into the world?
1: Totally. As the years went by, um, I met uh, Chris, who is my other half at this point. He, um, and hopefully forever. <laughs> <Sorry about that. laughs> yeah,
0: I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so basically Chris and I got together. Uh, we have three boys together and um, he was in the Navy. I was in social services. I was a director of an agency. Um, you know, I basically had 150 employees, 13 group homes kind of thing. So I was busy. He was busy. That's just how life was. And we didn't know anything other than that. The kids sports. That's it. That's in a box. That was our life. We're still living on that 10 acres um, and actually just bought a new property. So we're sort of slowly um, starting to have rentals, but not really thinking anything of it. Basically, my goal at that point in life was, Hey, I don't want to pay my mortgage. Um, my more, like my money I make at work is for fun. That's all I had. <laughs> that was my simple tagline. Um, but then we actually, we went to a Keyspire. There was a Scott McGilvery ad on Facebook and I said, Hey, we have nothing going on this afternoon. How about we just stop by Bear Mountain and just listen to this two hour in- intro session because he's pretty cute. So uh, <laughs> we went up there. I offered uh, Chris lunch and, uh, we just went and checked it out. And We're like, wait a second, like we're doing part of this. Like, we have a couple rentals, we're like leveraging. There's actually maybe something to this. Um, so we said we wouldn't sign up for anything, but we signed up for his course. <laughs> we went uh, a couple months later to um, this weekend where they actually taught us everything that we're doing right now. Um, he taught us, uh like about leveraging our house that we just had purchased, we had waited six months. We had bought it for 800. It was already worth 1.2. We're like, wait a second, we even have more money in this little nest egg. And so that weekend, just at how action focused I am, we bought another house <laughs> on that Sunday. Uh, I found a house that would actually—it's uh, a three-bedroom up, two-bedroom down, and the cash flow is 1500 a month. Just pieces started making sense, and now I started looking at numbers rather than. You know a feeling i was getting like okay i'm checking the box and doing everything right now it's like okay now we got our spreadsheets now things are making sense now we're having a cash flow um and maybe we're on to something my job was sort of um stressful to say the least at the time it was a little bit um uh yeah nothing good was coming out of it uh, i love the people i worked with but i was really wondering if i could last for like 20 more years before i retired or 30 more years however it was and um this weekend actually made it possible that I could quit my job um so in 2018 Chris left the navy after 22 years and I left my social services job um they tell you and everything you read and everything you ever listen to he says don't do it in the same year and uh just don't do it when before you have a game plan but that's how we sort of roll yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I definitely say that things have worked out very well for you, especially in terms of the action taker. Sari definitely says something and then goes out and does it and there is no stopping her. So either get on board or move out of the way for sure. So let's talk about how you conquered the mindset piece of going in and doing a fir- your first and massive land development because that is not a small task and you had lots of people telling you not necessarily no but bring me some more information maybe maybe so how did you tackle that on your own and just like work out the all of those comments back to you in that mindset for sure
1: um I, I'll rewind a little bit like back in the social service days you basically had so many people coming at you with problems, like the parents, the employees, the owner, everybody, everybody just had a problem for you. And so I'm a problem solver, I love it. Like, I'm like, I don't know, I feel like I'm in batting practice. I'm just like batting it out of the park, I have no idea. (laughs) Um, So that's just how I look at things. I just There's nothing I can't overcome. You just keep on figuring out what the solution is to the issue. Um, One major thing that uh, my boss used to say uh, at that job was, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And that was so meaningful for me because it's just looking at another perspective or another way to look at it. And, um, whenever I get stuck in a rut, which I don't know, give me the couple of minutes, the five minutes of, uh, feeling furious. Um, I really just try to find a different perspective and a different take on it. So that's the most important thing I took actually with me. Um, so the first big development that I found, um, that we actually did. It started off with always looking through MLS. I'm a realtor now, so I'm always looking at what's coming on right away, just looking at numbers, running it through. Um, and, you know, if it looks good enough, then starting out um, and going through the numbers, what's the projection, what's going on here, and uh, sort of the flavor of what's going Uh, what's happening. Um, I found a really good one. It was uh, let's say about five acres and it had a possibility of being 44 lots and it's already an established subdivision and the owners were aging. They, you know, they were, they've already done 700 homes and um, they didn't really have a desire to do this last chunk. I did realize they were putting a lot of fill on there and maybe that's why, (laughs) because they had to get rid of it after. (laughs) Um, but anyway, it was like this raw land um, it had potential of being 23 lots in phase one, 21 lots in phase two as strata. And when you're running at numbers, if you look at the price tag that they had on it, if I divided it by 44, it's a quick 85,000. If I like put in all the utilities, which I didn't know how to do at the time, um, we had a great friend that always helped us with infrastructure. Um, and I trust him with my life. Uh, he helped me on my 10 acres. He helped my dad develop the 40 acres. So we have a long history. So I just know everything that he says coming out of his mouth is, is the facts and he actually works in soup. So, um, it made it really easy for me to trust the numbers he was giving me and not have to try to find three other people to sort of work against. Um, so if he said there's a hundred thousand to do the infrastructure costs, it was 85 to buy it for each lot. And then at that time it was 300,000 to sell it. So, sort of the quick numbers and then trying to figure out your holding costs, it was sort of like, okay, well I know batting practice. This feels good. Like this is everything looks positive here. And I, at that time, I wasn't that confident. Um, it was about three years ago. Uh, I would have people in my house that were other um, investors. And I remember this one time we had um, the table full There's about 10 people at the table. And I was like, hey guys, I've spotted this property. I'm like, I think it's pretty cool. And I think it has a lot of opportunity. And I was like, I was wondering if you guys want to sort of team up and like be a part of it. And I presented it, gave them all the goods. And everybody's like, oh yeah, tell me how it goes. Or, or um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, see where we can be involved or tell us later or all this like passive stuff. And I'm like, okay, they're not serious. <laughs> um, I asked Chris and he's like, well, they're not serious. I'm not serious. <laughs> Uh, but I'm also one of those that if, um, something just keeps on coming back to me, that property came back to me, like, I don't know, 10 times over in six months. And I just said, no, I just can't get rid of it. Like Chris, can we just sit down, run the numbers officially put it in the spreadsheet? Um, let's figure out what we're missing here. Cause this is not going anywhere for me. And so he sat down with me, we did the numbers and he's like, yeah. Like, so if we were to do it seriously, what do we need? Like. What are we missing in order to execute this? And um, we identified that we just weren't the people to go ask for money. Um, We aren't money raisers and it's just, we're, I don't know, what do you call them? Like worker bees. We're worker bees. We'd love to like move that pile of dirt over there and uh, figure out how to do that. And that's the best way for, to describe us. So we actually went and we identified people that would be money raisers for us. And then they can talk to investors. can help us move this project along and um, be that third piece and so that's what we did
0: that's amazing yeah and again all the soft no's from the other investors that you weren't willing to take a no for (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) so how do you think like what do you think is next for you moving forward you you have lots of projects on the go lots of exciting adventures. Your boys are definitely getting older, one's graduated, one's about to graduate. How do you sort of see like the next five years going for you and what you wanna to tackle?
1: Totally, like uh, Chris and I haven't been afraid of change because like you talk to a lot of investors and they're like, no, this is what my specialty is. This is my uh, bread and butter, this is what I know how to do and I'm gonna stay in this box. Um, I really don't have boxes, but I'm sure you picked up. <laughs> Um, basically as things evolve, cause just like the economy evolves, right? Like we evolve, um, we evolve in what, um, we think is possible. And as we grow, like first we started with suited houses and we thought that was our jam, we're going to do 20 of those. And like, think if you can get 1500 a month times 20, like, think of how much we're going to make. So that's where we started. We started getting into bigger projects. We started building houses over the years um then we started getting into land development so we built eight houses to date now we're going into land development we have um four projects on the go five projects on the go and um i think in the future we've started a little bit on this we've got um lifestyle uh properties and that's the most important thing for us because during this time when even before we started doing real estate investing we, our boys were like number one like they're a handful as it is, <laughs> um, but we wanted to create opportunities as they grew that we would bring us closer together as a family. So that means like we have a spot on Seanigan Lake where we can go hang and go on the boat and i invite their friends. Um, that means the world to us. We have a spot at Mount Washington where we can hopefully go skiing as a family. Um, and we have places in Curacao where we can go vacation together, hopefully. So those were all different pieces that we we're trying to add to portfolio. I think as we get older, um, we want to do things on purpose that fit for us before it was like, okay, here's a challenge. Let's bite it off. If it makes sense, we run the numbers forwards, backwards, cautiously. Um, and it works. Let's do it. I think now we'll just start being a little bit careful of like, okay, how does that fit into our big picture? Cause we don't want to, um, We don't want to work harder than what we did when we, before we became real estate investors because we're really good at working. (laughs) So now now we have to make sure that we survive to actually enjoy it. Um, So I'd say after five years from now, we probably will become a little bit more passive uh, and I would love ideally to become passive investors and help people with the dream of what we did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that just comes with um, like the time in it and time and projects too, right? You start to realize like what you bring to the table and how valuable that is. And you're not willing to get shortchanged on that because your time is so valuable, especially, you know, like with Chris and the boys and everything like that as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We've totally evolved and, um, you know, when you start becoming more confident and expert into a certain situation, you've, you know, done your pitfalls and stuff like that. So you, you actually uh, know what to avoid uh, and you have recommendations going forward of what you wouldn't do. Um, And so over time we've just become more confident in what we actually want to be involved in, how much we can provide um, recommendations to other people. And so that's the fun part is just being able to share the knowledge and uh, help others when they're on their journey.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, people always uh, watch you and how your projects get bigger and bigger. But it's so interesting. You know, I know when like we set out to do nine, how overwhelming like nine felt. But then you're always talking about nine, that that next step doesn't feel as overwhelming. And then, you know, when you're talking about 46, it's not So having the ability to have the confidence in yourself to do those projects, your normal just continuously changes, right? As well as your mindset. It's funny funny looking
1: forward how, um, like when you're at the site and you're at your project and you're like, how come this isn't going faster? But then when you start looking at your photos and you reflect and you're like, okay, this is where we came from. This is our timeline. We've actually pretty like done pretty darn good, right? And reminding, especially with um, a brain that always wants to go 10 times faster, just, you know, celebrating the wins and actually acknowledging
0: that that did happen, that we did do this. So um, that is a goal of mine. (laughs) Yeah. I think something that you told me that really stuck with me and that we do as well is just like writing down your accomplishments so that at the end of the year, instead of trying to think of them at that time, you can see like all of those small things that are accumulating throughout the year because yeah, same thing, right? Everyone's so like heavy on the gas forward that you kind of forget because you're so focused on what you're in now and what you want to achieve instead of like giving yourself the recognition of what you did accomplish and do to get you to this moment today. Right. Totally. And it's pretty cool. Like um,
1: every year since we started doing um, this since 2018, At the start of the year we just try to say like okay what did we do last year where do we want to go what are our goals and um you know what's our immediate goal for this year three year five year um and it's pretty cool because you come back like everything we started with a vision board as well back then um and everything we put on our vision board we actually accomplished even though it was a five-year term like within six months and so i think it's just that putting it out there and getting it, making it a real uh, objective, it made the world a difference because I didn't even know that that's something I wanted until we had that discussion and it were aligned. And then we just sort of made that possibility. Like we went out and sought after it, even though we weren't in the position to buy it, we weren't in the position to make it happen. We figured out a way uh, to go after it.
0: Yeah. I think having you and Chris have those discussions together and it not be like you're going to the right and he's going to the left, I think that immensely helps how successful you've been in such a short amount of time. And what is it 2020? It's only been five years. Yeah. When you look at it like that, right? Yeah. Amazing. Well, that is all of the questions I really had for you today. It was so nice. I, I feel like every time I talk to you, I actually learn more and more about you. So that's always fun. And yeah, thank you for joining us. Well, no, 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 totally. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah.